0: I'm excited. We are um, we're starting a new series um, and and something that's just been kind of just laid on my heart over this past couple of years. It's just been crazy in our world today. It's just crazy in the United States, just a lot of difficult things that we're faced with. And as I as I read through the word of God and 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 and, and, and look at our world today, and how we're to respond to some of the things that were that are going that are going on in our world today. How are we to respond to some of these things? Because I see a lot of people getting frustrated. I see a lot of people getting frustrated and read a lot of things on social media and, and, and people are just angry. They're, they're frustrated. And so what I want to do is I want to do a series on just what is God for. As a church, I think sometimes we can run the gamut or run the risk of allowing people to know what are the things that we're against. And I really believe that the world, when they look at the church, they know what we're against. And so I just, I did some research online. i just reading some different articles. And I just, I just plugged in. Um, what do people think about the church? I just plugged that in. And I tell you what, it wasn't real good. It wasn't real. It wasn't some happy thoughts. It was kind of discouraging some of the things that, the pe- people in the world are just angry about it. And some of the things that the church is against. And you see all these things. And, and we know that the church, the body of Christ, has done a lot of good things. You, you see the things that we do stand for that are good against maybe human trafficking. And all the wonderful things that were started by the body of Christ. Such as hospitals and schools and feeding programs. And so many, so many good things. And, and when you look at the person of Jesus Christ, you see that he was really for people. And if we're going to be the body of Jesus Christ, we need to be about what Jesus is about. And we need to come back and look at the word of God through a different set of lenses. I think the church has kind of gotten off track a little bit on what the gospel message is all about. So what I want to look at, I want to dive into this over the next couple of weeks, that God is for people. That's why I got hash, hashtag four. All right, just Whatever. My daughter Lily says, Dad, the hashtag thing's out because she's sixteen, so she knows everything, right? She knows all the social media, she knows all the trends. I said, But I'm gonna use it anyway just because I'm old and I'm gonna be fifty two next Friday. Oh gosh. Pray for me, okay? No, don't clap, that's not good. I'm just feeling really old lately. Um and so and so I want to look at this what 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 actually is God for? And I believe God is for people. Amen? I believe God is for us. Amen. I believe God is for our marriages. I believe God is for our finances. And we're going to dive into all these topics on actually looking at the word of God and looking at the things that God is actually for. And I think what can happen if we're not careful as the church, we can tend to act like referees at a football game. Now, can you imagine if uh, if we carried around yellow flags in our back pocket? So let's say you're standing in line at the grocery store and you hear somebody behind you just yell out an F-bomb and you throw up the yellow flag. Whoop! Flag on the play. What did I just hear? Did you just, did you just swear? Did you just cause, what, what's going on? You need to stop that, right? Can you imagine if we walked around and sometimes I think the world can look at us as throwing up yellow flags and, and, and what begins to happen is this. If we are not careful, now this is, it, it, so those of you that are note takers, I have no fill in the blanks for you today. I'm sorry because I just want you to listen today, and so I've done the work for you, and I just put bullet points that I just want you to grab today. Next week we'll go back to fill in the blanks, so you can't guess what I'm going to say beforehand, okay? Because I know what you guys do, you note takers. Okay, so here's the first here's the first point I want to make. Listen to me closely. Sharing our rules is not the same as sharing the gospel. Sharing our rules is not the same as sharing our gospel. We run the risk when we begin to point and judge our finger at the world is what the world tends to hear a lot is here are our rules. We're going to throw a yellow flag on the play and we want you to hear our rules. But that's not the same as sharing the gospel. Somebody say amen. So I, want to, I want to drill down on this. I want, I want to drill down on this because this is what we can say. Hey, I heard what came out of your mouth. Flag on the plate. Hey, I don't like what you're wearing. Not modest enough. And we throw the yellow flag. But what if we leaned on the side of just thanking people? Thank you for being a good server. Thank you for being a good doctor. Thank you for being a good teacher. See, what we can tend to do is the body of Christ, if we're not careful, is we can point out all the wrong things in people. It's easy for us to run to one to two camps when we look at the world. Either one is to condemn or the other is just to escape. So we're either going to condemn the world or we're just going to escape and and run to the body of Christ and get into our little holy huddles and then look at the world and just throw grenades out at the world. One is to either wage war and get into a cultural war with the world, and the other is just to hide or maybe give up. But is all hope lost? Have things changed too much? Are we just to throw our hands up and give up? Let me read you the words of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. And the way we are to relate to the world around us. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. He says, you are what? The light of Of the world, listen to what he says here. You're the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds do what? Shine for all to see that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, let me me put this in context for you. Did Jesus in the early church live in a society where, Christian, where there were Christian values and the Christian values were held up in high esteem? Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, they lived in the Roman culture steeped in immorality and paganism. In fact, the Roman culture made Las Vegas look like Mayberry, if you're to study it. It's true. See, here's the thing. W- where are we today? And this is what we need to understand about the early church. It's no different than what we're dealing with today. The church didn't give up. They didn't stop reaching out to their culture. Was the culture hostile to the message of Jesus Christ? Certainly, yes. And this is where we are today. You see, God doesn't want us to give up. And God doesn't want us to be the grumpy old man sitting in his launcher on his front yard, yelling at all the kids who walk on his lawn. Okay? Please, let's not be that person. And if you are that person, stop and just say, come on my lawn, have fun. I love my next door neighbor. We were at one house. The kids were young and they used to love to play football. And he had this huge side yard. And he would say, anytime your kids want to come over and play football in my side yard, they're welcome. They would chew that yard up. And he, he had a sprinkler system and he loved his yard. And he was so nice about letting our kids play football on his yard. And guess what? That was years ago. I went by his yard the other day and guess what? The grass is nice and green. It's all fixed. You see, I think sometimes we get too wrapped up in just yelling at the world. If we're not careful. We become that grumpy old guy, just yelling at the world and doing nothing about it. So this is what I want to focus on. I want to focus on what are the things that God is actually for? That's why I love doing outreaches in our church. That's why I love our school supply event. I love the trunk or treat event. I love the angel tree. I love Thanksgiving basket outreach and all the other things that we do because it shows that we're actually for people, that we want to serve people. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor during World War II who opposed the Nazi regime and was hung for his beliefs at age 39, right before uh, the Allies, uh, they, before the Germans Surrender to the allies. And Dietrich Dietrich Bonhoeffer made this quote and just wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. Really, his teachings are a great pastor. He said this. He said, not in the flight of ideas, but only in the action is freedom. Make up your mind and come out into the tempest of the living. Now, what was was Bonhoeffer saying there? What Bonhoeffer is saying to the church was this. As he stood up for those who were who were being massacred, as he stood up for what was wrong. This is what he was saying to the church. He says, don't give up. Don't sit on your lawns and complain. Do something. Just don't say you're the church, but actually be the church. The church is not us sitting in a chair on Sunday morning. The church is us in the world that we live in, being a light to those that are around us and showing them how Christ has transformed our hearts. And through that, that's how we love the world and serve the world through what Christ and his grace has done in our hearts. You see, God is for people. God is for us. Do you realize that God wants us to do well? God wants us to represent him well as the body of Christ. He wants us to enjoy the things he's given us. He wants us to make a difference in our world. He wants us to be for people. I think we can can memorize this verse, and most of us know this verse, but but it can just be something that becomes just mundane and just something we memorize. But John 3.16 says, for God did love the world. And that's why he sent his son into the world So that whoever believes him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. See, God loved the world. That's why he sent his son into the world, because he loved people. See, this is the heart of Jesus. When we look at the Gospels, we see Jesus reaching people, not preaching at people. Not telling them all the things that are wrong with them. The ones that Jesus were most upset were the ones that were religious and thought they were better than everyone else and keeping them actually from God. Those are the ones that Jesus had the issue with. Jesus said the greatest commandment of all 613 commandments laws that God gave Israel was to love God and love others. And the two of them are the same. We love God. We love others and we love others and we love God. We can't separate the two. We can't say we love God and then hate people or people that aren't like us. Or people that are just lovable. He says we are to love people. Even people that aren't lovable. People that are irritating. People that drive us nuts. People that don't know how to drive correctly. People that take too long in the line that's in front of you. People that have 55 coupons. And it's the wrong ones. I'm always in that line, by the way. Always in that line. See, Jesus asked a question by a very smart person who studied the Old Testament law. And they were called scribes. And, and all they did was study the law, teach the law, and interpret the law, and keep the law. All the thou shall not. And, and they knew it inside out. And, and they were very well respected among the community. So if, they had any, if you had any questions about the law, the law that God gave, you went to the scribes. Because they, that's all they did. They knew it inside out. But the one problem with these groups of people is that they also added to the law of God. And they made many man-made traditions that coincided with the law that God gave. Because God gave the law to give them protection and guardrails in their life. And to show them that there's no way that you could ever be saved by the law. But they took this law and they began to add to it. Let me give you an example of how they added to the law. So here here you've got this these smart people, smart people in in the law, and they began to add to the law. And one law that God stressed in the commandments, in the Ten Commandments, we know was the day of rest or the Sabbath, which is the Hebrew word which means day of rest. It was the fourth commandment. And so God gave this commandment to the Israelites for a reason that that on that day they would rest They would remember and they would reflect on God's promises. It wasn't to be a burden to them. It was say, God says, I want you to rest. On this day, on the seventh day, I want you to rest. I I don't want you to work. I want you to reflect and remember my provision for you. And I'm going to take care of you. Even when they're in the wilderness, God says, I won't allow the manna to rot like I would on other days. I'm going to provide for you on that Sabbath rest. It's, 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 it's going to make it overnight and you're going to be fed on that day. You won't have to collect. You won't have to do anything. But if you, if, if you try to keep that manna on any other day, it's going to rot. Because I want to show you that I will provide for you on that seventh day. I want you to rest. I, I want you to relax. I, I want you to reflect on my provision. But what began to happen? Well, these religious, so-called religious people made it a chore and a burden to people. Instead of rest and reflection, it became a list of what you can't do. So here's what happened. Under the Sabbath rest, they came up with 39 more categories. And under those categories, they had subcategories. So literally, they had thousands of nitpicky categories of what you couldn't do. And some of these nitpicky categories, one was how many steps you could take. Or how many letters you could write. In fact, this is where the, the Fitbits came from. I have one. What am I up to? I can't read it without my glasses. I am up to 1,821 steps already today. I'm trying to get up to my 10,000 steps. How many you have a Fitbit? Four of you. This is are good. These are good. It just shows me how I'm not doing well. So sometimes like, I'm not wearing it today because I know I'm not making my 10,000 steps. That's where Fitbits came from. The scribes all had Fitbits to track their steps on the Sabbath so they wouldn't go over or break their own rules. Not God's rules, but their rules. So it got to the point where people would just give up in no way possible following all these man-made rules. And so what happened was they were these letter of the law people but didn't get the spirit behind the law. They wanted to use the law to show how righteous they looked on the outside and how many rules they could actually keep. But it actually caused them to become hypocritical. They became more concerned with how they looked in their rule keeping than actually pleasing God and actually loving others. And so what happens is this smart scribe of God's law Ask Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? And Jesus drops the bomb and goes right to the core and the heart of all 613 commandments of God. One of them being the Sabbath rest. And without violating one of them, listen to what Jesus says to this so-called very smart scribe of the law. Jesus says in Mark 12, he says, he says to this, the scribe, he says, and you shall love the Lord your God With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus boils it all the way down to two and says, here are the two greatest commandments. To love God and to love others. See, the two most important things were to love God and love others. And so Jesus comment flows and, and, and just just flies in the face of the religious at the time. See, they live their lives this way. Look good before God by what we do and don't do and judge others who do not meet our standards. Are you catching it, church? And judge others who do not meet our standards and judge others who do not meet our standards. So Jesus comes and fulfills all of God's righteous demands and builds a bridge actually between us and God because the law could never save us. In fact, it could just point to our sin and condemn us of our sin. It could never save us. And these religious were trying to use it to say, look how righteous I am, look how close I am to God. And God says, no, you're further away from me than the sinner on on the corner. And I want you to catch something here. I want you to catch something because this has everything to do with Jesus' words. Jesus cuts right to the heart. And basically what Jesus is saying to the scribe, what good good is it if I keep all the rules and I don't love God or care for my neighbor? Because they didn't really care for people. They didn't really love God. See, here's the thing. The religious of the time were more in love with their rule keeping than God. They were more in love with their rule-keeping than with God. Because if they were really in love with God, they would care for people. But what they ended up doing is judging people because they weren't keeping their rules. And Jesus says, listen, you do this great job of tithing off your cumin and your mint and all the small little herbs in your garden. But you know what you're not doing? Is you're not caring for people. You, 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 you sit back in your lawn chair And you're just yelling at people because they're breaking your rules. But are you actually getting to know people? Are you actually caring for people? Are you actually reaching out to people? And this is what they weren't doing. And so what Jesus does here is actually exposes their true heart. And listen to what Jesus says about this type of thinking. He doesn't, he cuts right to the chaser. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't mince any words here in Matthew 23. He says, "Woe to you teachers of the law? He's speaking to the scribes. Woe to you. Listen to me. I'm speaking to you. Woe to you. You talking to me? He's talking to them. And they're listening. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. What does he call them? He calls them hypocrites. Listen to what he calls them. He says, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full... Of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. So on the outside, you look good because you're keeping all these rules and you look righteous. But on the inside, you're completely unclean. And the same way on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. See, here's the issue. They didn't get Jesus. They didn't understand why he came. They judged Jesus the same way they were judging other people with a religious spirit that you're not meeting our standards. See, what they didn't like about Jesus is he comes and he 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 rocked the apple cart a little bit. He exposed their true thought and their true condition of their heart. See, Jesus didn't come to give us more rules and more religion. He came to reestablish something that was broken. See, listen, just, oh, I haven't done this in a while. Let me rub my face. I haven't done this in a while. I haven't done this in a while either. Listen, listen. Listen. I think sometimes we're so concerned about people meeting our rules that we forget the soul of the person that needs to reconnect with God because of the brokenness of sin in their life. Just hear me. Just, just hear, see see if this pasta sticks against the wall. Just hear me real quick, okay? Do we get more upset because someone is breaking our rules than, than someone's soul of being reconnected with God? What what are we more concerned with? Are we more concerned with the heart of person being connected with God again, being reestablished with him through through? God's grace, or are we like, wait a minute, they're not meeting my rules. What are we more upset with? Are we more upset that they're walking across our lawn, or it's actually somebody who's walking across our lawn? I was a youth pastor. I had this big outreach. And it was after a football game. And they let me announce during the football game that we're going to have a fifth quarter at the church. You can come play basketball. We had foosball. We had all kinds of things. We had music. And you can come. And so I had 250 kids that came to the church on a Friday night. Probably 249 of them weren't Christians. So it was just, it was, it, we, we were, you know, it was, it was great. It was great. So um, the next day they went to clean the church and, and there was a leader there at the church. And and. He, he grabs me, he calls me, he says, Pastor Warren, we got a huge problem. I said, oh gosh, did somebody break something? Is a window broken? Is something stolen? What's going on? So I, I'm nervous, like, oh no, 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 I, we, I thought we are on, I had my youth workers on, I thought we are on this, I, I thought we took care of everything, I, no one got hurt, everybody was safe, blah, 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 there was no fights, it was like, this was good, we got to talk to kids, kids came out on the campus of the church, I'm all excited, and he goes, listen to me, and I said, what? He goes, I found cigarette butts in the front of the church. What are we gonna do about it? I said, well, number one, we can clean it up. He goes, well well they were smoking in front of the church. And this is what I said. I said of all the places they could have smoked, they smoked in front of the church. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great? Wow. And it was so funny, they're like, okay, you could look at it that way if you want to. You see, what are we, it was a soul that came to church that we were able to minister to that said, you know what? We love you, right? They weren't spray painting anything on the side of the church. That's what I was worried about, but none of that happened. Do you see, can you see, and I do it too. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not blaming this leader in the church because I can do the same thing sometimes. But do you see how we get more concerned with our rules than the soul of a person? This is where we've got to be careful. You see, and, and this, is, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to repair our relationship with God and to reestablish that relationship with us through Himself. And so, what Jesus wants, He wants to have a relationship with us. Jesus desires not just to, to be our Savior, but to be a personal Savior to us. He wants it to be personal. He gave his life for us. He cares for us. He came not to build fences, but to actually break them down. He came not to burn bridges, but to actually build them. He is for us. He is for this world. And this is what I want you to see in the life of Jesus. He didn't care about anyone's background or if they, if they met some religious qualifications. In fact, Jesus was accused of, of being a friend of sinners. And so how do we deal with this? How do we deal with our world and some of the things that we see that don't match up to to maybe a biblical standard, a Christian standard? How do do we deal with this? Because we see this. And and, and so how do I deal with this as a believer without just creating this cultural war and just getting mad and allowing bitterness to, 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 to take hold of my heart? Just remember this. Insulate your heart but don't isolate yourself from people. This this is, this is what I try to do with my kids. As much as possible, I try to insulate their heart by, by allowing them to understand what is what is a Christian worldview, what are our, our standards. But we can't isolate ourselves from people. That's where we go wrong. Is when we begin to categorize people. They're the sinners. They're the people that don't believe it. We we believe, and we just marginalize them, and we just yell at them in our front yard. See, we need to we need to insulate our heart, but we can't isolate ourselves from people. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus, this is this is what he says to those religious who were who were judging Jesus for what for what he was doing. Just judging him. Matthew 11, Jesus says, To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you. You did not dance. We sang a dirge. Uh, you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he is a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they said he's a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. So the, the background of Jesus saying, you know, when kids were in the marketplace or the big event that maybe would happen during the week is there would be a funeral, a huge uh, procession, so on and so forth. And kids would play in the, in, in the streets and they would make up songs and they would uh, make up games. And some kids says, well, I don't like your game because I'm not the leader. And then they do another game. Well, I don't like that game because I'm not the leader. And it, it could make nobody happy. And Jesus was saying, you weren't happy. John came, didn't do these things. And you John was righteous and you called him a demon. Jesus comes eating and drinking and now you call him a glutton and a drunkard. And because he hung out with sinners, well, you do the math. People weren't happy. And they were accusing, the righteous were accusing Jesus of all these things because they weren't meeting his standards. You know what, people, can I just be honest with you? We are never going to be happy when we look at our world. Can I get an amen? We're just not. It's going to cause us to be frustrated. See, the question is who is a sinner? You know who a sinner is? The person sitting next to you. We're all sinners, aren't we? We're all sinners. That's something that we all have in common. Isn't that wonderful? That's something we all share. All, look at your neighbor and say, you're a sinner. You've been waiting to do that, haven't you? <laughs> Feels good, doesn't it? See, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of, 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 of God's perfection. That's who we are. We're sinners. In fact, Romans says, for everyone have sinned, we've all fallen short of God's glorious standards, yet in his grace... He freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. Even though I'm a sinner, by God's grace, he makes us right. My status changes from one who is condemned by my sin and apart from God to one that is forgiven and now friends with God. Do I still sin? Do I still mess up? Of course we do. But now I can go to Christ and I can find forgiveness when I humble myself before God. My sin is no longer, it no longer condemns me. So the question is, pardon, pardon, pardon. Why are you so judgmental at times? Why do you condemn at times when you look at the world? Why is it so hard for me at times to love people who, aren't, who, who don't share my same understanding and beliefs? Here's the problem. When I get like that, and I, and I contended to, to, to see my, look at the world and start getting um, upset and like, what, why is this going on? Blah, 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 and, and so on and so forth. I need to reacquaint myself again with God's grace. I need to look in the mirror again to figure out who I am again in Christ. That I am saved by God's grace. See, when we realign ourselves with the gospel again, what it does, it humbles us to realize that I'm a sinner saved by what? Grace. By grace. And guess what? The world needs God's grace. D- does that mean that we just overlook everything that goes on in the world? Of course not. Does that mean that we continue to speak God's truth? Of course we do. But we've got to do it in Love. That am I just spouting my rules, or am I actually speaking the gospel? How many know that rules do not save, but the gospel does? And so I need to be a person of the gospel. I um I, I listened to this story the other day, it was just so compelling to me. And it was a story about a gentleman at the age of 14. Was recruited to a white Aryan nation um, uh, uh, person who just recruited him to become a, a neo-Nazi skinhead when he was 14 years old, living in Chicago. He was by himself. Some guy came up to him and said, "Hey, what, he, he, he didn't didn't have any purpose in his life. He he just he just got recruited by this white Aryan nation person, and so he grew up with this hatred, this hatred in his heart." against everyone who wasn't like him. And so as he grew up in this, he became actually a leader within the Aryan nation. And so as I began to listen, it's because he came out of it. And I go, I, I want to hear this guy's story of of what, what stopped him. How, how did he get out of the hate and the rage that he had against people that weren't like him? Well, he said his, his marriage dissolved. He, he just, his life wasn't going well. He was estranged from... His parents who were um, Italian immigrants, just he said, my parents were great, but I just I just lost my way. Complete lost my way. He got to this part of the story that just completely intrigued me. He said, what I did was I opened up a, a record store. And it was basically propaganda for the white Aryan nation. And 70% of the things he sold was just propaganda, propaganda for the white Aryan nation. But he said, I had to sell other genres of music because otherwise they would have shut me down. So he goes as I own this retro, store, I would have all types of people come into my store, not just buying the white supremacist music, but buying R and B and so on and so forth. And he goes, one day, this young teenage black gentleman came into my store and he was visibly upset. He said, now here's somebody he said that I would have hatred for because of my beliefs. And he said, he came in and this, this teenage boy was visibly upset. So he asked him, "Why, why are you so upset? And he goes, he goes, I just found out that my mom has breast cancer. And he said, something just resonated in my heart with this young man because he goes, my mom had breast cancer. And he goes, as tears flow down this young man's face, he goes, I began to have empathy for him. And this young man would keep coming back in my store. And he goes, I actually became friends with this young black teenager. And he goes, my heart began to change. Things were happening in his heart before that, but he goes, all of a sudden, he says, I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. What was so intriguing to me about that story was this, is that when you get to know somebody, you get to know their heart. The danger we have as the church, just listen to me real closely, and we're going to close. Just listen to me real closely. I love you, and I I love being your pastor, but listen to me real closely. The danger we run into as the church is we tend to congregate around people who are like-minded like us, which is fine. That's fine. But the problem with that, if we're not careful, we can tend to drink each other's poison too. And we can tend to form opinions about people that we don't even know or don't even know someone who's different from us. Now, catch me. That doesn't mean I agree with a lifestyle that's that's not biblical or or against God's standards. But what it means is this. Am I getting to know people who Jesus died for? Do I know someone who has a different belief than I do? Do I actually know someone in that? Because... If I don't, if I'm not careful, I can, I can formulate in my mind this opinion about everybody and I sit back on my lawn and I just throw out my opinions without actually getting to know people. You know what Jesus did? What Jesus did. When he saw Zacchaeus sitting up in the tree and everybody knew he was a robber, a thief, an outcast, Tax collector, the worst of the worst, an enemy of Israel. Jesus says to Zacchaeus in front of everybody, I want you to come down from that tree. And I want to go to your house, and I want to get to know you. So what happened? Zacchaeus invites Jesus to his house, and everybody's watching. All the religious are watching and saying, look at how Jesus hangs out with sinners. Because if you Hung out with sinners was like guilt by association, right? So there's guilt by association. Jesus goes to his house and Jesus has a meal with him. Which shows this intimate friendship, like I want to get to know you. And what does the Bible say happened that day? Salvation came to Zacchaeus and his household. Jesus just didn't sit back and just spout words to Zacchaeus in the tree by saying, you're a robber, you're a thief. What did he do? He didn't spout his rules to Zacchaeus. He lived out the gospel message of grace to Zacchaeus and that's what changed his heart. Are you hearing me, church? That's the heart of Christ. That we would be a church that's for people. For people. And yes, there is the truth of God's word, and yes, I I I get it. The world we're messed up, aren't we? We are. But the thing that's gonna change people's hearts is the way I live out the gospel. My question is this did Jesus love sinners? Then why don't we? See, here's the takeaway. The takeaway is this. In what ways are we reaching out to those who are not yet in the family of God? In what ways are we reaching out to those who are not yet in the family of God? That's why I love doing outreaches. Because we're reaching out to people who are not necessarily yet in the family of God. And we're saying, we're saying as a church, I hope we're saying this as a church, that we believe anyone's welcome in the doors of this church. We want you to hear the gospel, the wonderful message of Jesus Christ. And we're going to love you right where you're at. And we're going to allow Jesus to do the changing in your heart and your life, just like he did in me, Barn Joyce, a sinner, a sinner, a sinner. Amen. Amen. So let's let's guard our hearts as the church from a judgmental attitude that could poison our hearts towards the very people that Jesus died for. Even if their lifestyle doesn't match up with the word of God even if we know they're not living for God even if even if they have different views than we have what are we doing to love people right where they are that person that I work with that neighbor the the um, uh, the co-worker the family member what are we doing and there's a there's a million things that we can do as believers of God to develop relationships with them and give them a different perspective of maybe what the world thinks about the church. That's the church that I desire living work to be and to continue to be. That's my heart. As we continue to preach the truth of God's word, may we live it out with love that we're not here to spout off our rules. We're here to give the glorious message of the gospel that Jesus died for sinners, which I am one of them. Let the gospel message humble your heart as you reach out to those around you and even those that you don't see eye to eye with. Amen. Let's praise the church, shall we? Let's pray. Let's just ask God just to speak to our hearts today guide our hearts and our lives as we reach out to this world that so desperately needs hope and needs to hear the message of Jesus Christ Lord Jesus as we just bow our hearts to you today we want to thank you for people we are lost we've gone our own way we've tried to make our own decisions we've We've just left our lives in such a mess in so many different ways. And so, Lord, I just pray today that you would guard our hearts and our lives today, God. God, forgive me when I prejudged the world and people around me. Forgive me of of my judgmental heart that my first response wasn't That's someone that you died for. That's someone that needs your grace. But my first response was, that's someone that's not meeting my standard. God, forgive me of that. Forgive us as a church of that. And I pray that just your gospel message would infiltrate our hearts as the body of Christ. That Jesus, you would just permeate our hearts with your love and compassion for people. Jesus, you came to this world and you demonstrated your love that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. You didn't wait for us to get it all together. You were proactive in the way you reached out to us. Father God, forgive them for they know not what they do. God, help us to have that grace that you saved us and the way we bestow it to those that are in the world, God. We thank you, Jesus, for everything you do for us each and every day. And I pray that living word would be and continue to be a church that lives out your grace each and every day in our lives, that your grace would humble us. I thank you, Lord, for your word today. Just speak to us, Lord. God, I pray you would just drop maybe a neighbor into our heart, a coworker, Maybe somebody that we're thinking of that we're friends online with. Lord, I just pray that you would begin to do that in our hearts. The grace that saved me can't stop with me. That grace should break my heart. Your grace should cause me to have complete dependency on you, Jesus. Your grace should cause me to be the first to forgive. Your grace should cause me to love with a love that's not my own. Your grace should cause me to reach out to sinners and not alienate them. Your grace should be something that I never take for granted. And by this grace, we are saved. Lead us by your grace today, I pray. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.